I got rain boots, aren't they so cute? I've been dying to wear my rain boots. But right now what I'm gonna go do, I'm gonna go stomp in a bunch of puddles. <laughs> I play with my boots. Welcome to Flipping Off, a purpose-driven podcast about flipping houses and making a difference. So, welcome back. Here we are again, guys. We got Frank, John all aglow, and Tim and myself, Oscar. And today, our topic is going to be partnerships. So, what I'm seeing right now inside the club is there's a lot of things starting to pick up momentum where people are looking to work with each other, they're getting to know people within their areas, they're doing a lot of things, right? And it really put a spotlight, if you will, on what we've done, right? We're like, we're partnered up, you partner up with Christian, you've partnered up with a few people, right? And we've all had partnerships over the course of time here, and we've had success, and we've had some less than success. Some great, some not so great. Right, there you go. So why not help people sort through that mess ahead of time and kind of share with them some of the lessons learned, what we've done, what we haven't done, why we didn't do it, uh, and then when we did make some mistakes, what were the gotchas, um, things to look out for, that type of stuff. Does that make sense? Sure. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So who wants to go first? I would say my my biggest lesson when it came to partnerships was... um, Making sure that I partner for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my first few partnerships were absolutely put together uh, from me being in a space of feeling like I was not capable of doing this on my own. Um, and now I've got to a place where I know I can't do this on my own, right? I mean, for different reasons, because I want to take things to the next level, and that's why I'm partnered up now. At the time, I was doing it from a perspective of not like, feeling um, inadequate in, in taking this business on myself. I had very little success up until my first uh, few partnerships. And I found myself partnering with the wrong people because uh, I wasn't looking for... I was looking... I was looking for the wrong people. I was I was willing to partner with just anybody who would get on my team so that I, like a security blanket, if you will, so that I could feel confident in doing this business. And it turned out that that was absolutely the wrong way to go about doing doing partnerships for me um, okay. in particular. But at least my first I just think you say anybody, but I guess I'm not even anybody can approach me, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Well, that, that's because from my perspective... Um, I wasn't approachable. He wasn't worthy. Frank wasn't approachable. There you go. There's that right. word again. But, 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 <laughs> but also, like, people Oldie. like Frank and uh, people like Oscar uh, were not approachable for me as well. But it wasn't because they weren't in themselves approachable. It was yeah. that I didn't feel adequate to go to somebody like Oscar That's why or I said Frank. That, uh, I remember having this conversation with you. That's why I uttered out well, he didn't feel like he was worthy right. of, of working with us, right? Right. which was so far from the truth. But it's so that's a, that's a great thing to point out is that oftentimes we we are our own worst critics, right? Okay. Right. <clears throat> so we don't see the good things <coughs> in ourselves. We we kind of hang our hats on all the negatives that that are in our life versus really looking at the quality. So sometimes it's just good to reach out to people and say, Hey, what do you think? Right. What does this look like? And here's where I think I am. And, and 
So seeking counsel usually helps in, in putting yourself in that, in that scenario. Why are you chuckling? I'm chuckling because I actually sought counsel. I went to uh, David Molina, the founders of the club, and I um, I said, "What do you think about me partnering with you know these these other couple you know these other couple partnerships that I was getting involved in?" And I went to David Molina. I went to a couple other mentors, and I think I even talked to Frank about it. And the response was, "Don't do it." <laughs> <laughs> and but you I, still did. And I did it anyway because I needed a security blanket. Asshole. I was an asshole. termed that. We started yeah. using that after that, right? It's, yeah, I was the reason because exactly. that's the reason so, why we came up with asshole. To clarify, Adriana, can you type what we said? Because it's <laughs> ask hole. I was the original asshole. A-S-K-H-O-L-E. <laughs> yeah. Right? And the quick <laughs> definition is a person who asks for information to be given to them and then they do the complete opposite. Right. right. So that was right. me. <laughs> okay. On a kind of different spectrum to that, I, I've had a couple of conversations lately with um, a couple of the members of the club talking about, you know, them specifically approaching me to say, who do you think I should partner with? Mm -hmm. You know, and especially when it comes to the door knocking, the door knocking partnerships, people generally gravitate to somebody that lives in their area, right. which can make sense for a lot of a lot of reasons because obviously now your door knocking be somebody that's within your your local area versus you know the idea of somebody in San Diego partnering with somebody in LA. There's a lot of driving going on there, you know. But at the same time, it it does become a balance of finding the right person. And and one of the people I was speaking to, he's he's been afraid to find a partner to the point where he was actually going out there door knocking on his own, mm. and he was having little success. And he's not sure why. Immediately, my, my go-to is, you know, when you go door knocking, just your whole attitude, your whole persona, it changes when you're door knocking with a partner. You know, you get to have some fun, you get to have good conversations, which puts you in that, that good spirit, that good mind to then go have that conversation at the door with a homeowner. Versus you're doing it on your own, which is, I don't want to say it's kind of boring, but it's kind of boring going door knocking on your own. You know, driving around, you go to the next house and... You know, but also that perception from the homeowner, if you get stuck on a question, where does that now leave you when you are on your own? Right. How much credibility does it give you that now you got stuck versus having another partner there that can now potentially answer that question, bring a different perspective to the table. Sure, most people have had the same training, but it's still, you know, some people remember more of their training than others. Some are, you know, easier to talk to people than others. So I just think... You know, the idea of, for, for those that are out there trying to door knock on their own, I would generally encourage them to go find a partner, but it has to be very carefully picked. Or, go partner with several people. Go find the one that fits. Because I know when I started door knocking, Celine and I, we, we went with, you know, our, our original coach, then we went out with three or four different coaches, you know, a couple of more experienced members of the club that weren't necessarily coaches and eventually we found the person that we fit best with so and then that made sense kind of like a, a try before you buy try before you buy exactly <coughs> you know just to put it in a, in a different way right it's because I, I agree with you there's there's dynamics that mm -hmm. have to fit and strengths and weaknesses and th things of that nature that you really have to look for somebody who's going to create that balance for you and, and put you forward what are your thoughts Frank I was uh, thinking when he was talking about the different partners 
and experimenting with those different partners. And I've had very similar conversations um, with students and um, more along the lines of asking for permission to break off partnerships. Right. <laughs> how, do I, how do I, you know, should I, should I, I go, well, you know, if, if, if it's not working for you, it's not stopping you from uh, going out door knocking with somebody else, try different things. I mean, it may not be a, a time when you're both in the learning process to partner with somebody who's having, is in the same learning curve as you. I think it makes sense to, like you just mentioned, strengths and weaknesses. If your weakness is experience, then obviously you need somebody that has experience that you're going to be partnered with. And that individual that has more experience, clearly they have more ability to choose who their partner would be. So, you know, when we're talking about how he was picking partners, someone with experience like myself, um, I feel like, all right, let's, who, what's missing from my team? And um, oftentimes, like we talked about my word being approachable for this year, is um, find somebody who's more approachable than me. So kind of like yin and yang. Like I'm very uh, good on, you know, off the cuff and joking and um, saying things and covering the facts and details. But I don't think I, I have to be. I, I think for my counterpart going with me, they need to be a little bit more softer, have a more approachable look. Um, I'm kind of in your face, a little bit confrontational, so uh, my my partner needs to not be that. Just a little. Just a little. Mm -hmm. Completely. Uh, a little? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as much as possible. I think it's to the max, actually. So. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the partnerships, you know, you, you want to say good cop, bad cop. You want to say um, all these different... Um, compatibility, you know, it just comes down to the strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, it comes down to organizational skills, you know, somebody who's keeping good notes. Um, even there's so many different things that come into the partnership. And, you know, in speaking with um, Tim, when he was talking about a partnership he was looking to create, I, 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 didn't, I was asking him, well, you know, why do you need that partner? And I'm sure Dave and Lena had the same conversation. And I don't think you could articulate or identify with it, which led everybody to the conclusion of, yeah, well, it doesn't make sense to partner then. Right. And, you know, a, a little part of it was like, why is he asking to partner with me? Or, you know, why, you know, and, it, you know, John, I'd love to work with everybody at some point. Some experience, you know, I, I think that's important. But then, like you said, try uh, before you buy. There's, you know, I had a student, the one I was talking about, that had this committed once a week partnership to go door knocking with somebody and they, they felt like they couldn't break that for anything and they were not comfortable with the partnership. They didn't think it was going right. They're, you know, whatever many complaints about that which go along the lines of the strengths and weaknesses. It seems like um, this person was having to do everything including talk and all that stuff. So it's like just go, go door knocking with somebody else. You know, you don't, you might have to have that conversation because I might not be serving that person either but you feel free to experiment and try different combinations of partners within our club. And I don't know if you're out there and you don't, you know, have access to a club. Obviously, you're. We're think we're probably uh, describing something that's a little abstract for you. It's like, you know, I know when I first started this, my ultimate goal, uh, it, you know, my, the first thing I wasn't thinking about was a partner. It was like getting mentored and coached by somebody. So obviously, um, the setup for that was, you know, Dave and Lena were training me, so they were going to be automatically my partners. They were pouring into me, they were giving me information. So I was like, all right, how, what do I do next, right? And then moving forward, my own um, journey towards being a good partner for somebody else was going to surround, and I'm still in that conversation, right? Like, what for 2018, I'm still working on weaknesses, but I want to be 
a partner for somebody that has as many tools and things to present into that partnership as possible. And then what I need, um, what I'm lacking in, I'll still look for those weaknesses. I definitely still have them. So, you know, being able to be of value to somebody else is what I'm looking for. I necessarily don't go, okay, who, you know, what are you going to bring to me by me joint venturing with you? I want to be able to say, hey, you know, I can bring this to the table. I can do this. That way that person feels good about partnering with me. And obviously I've identified something in them that's going to complement what I'm doing and then I'm weaken. And again, it goes back to just my approachability and not having a soft exterior and being, you know, just, I can't even describe it because it's not me. But I can identify it in somebody else. Like that, I don't have that. Right. Which I know Tim eventually working around to that thing and also working on that weakness um, for yourself so you can bring something to the table as a partner. Right. right. I've seen some very good partnerships forming where instead of just picking that person that just makes sense, as I said, because they live close to where you are, in the way of asking for advice from somebody that's already been out there doing it. Asking from coaches, more experienced people who have been through a range of different partners to be able to say, you know, who do you think I should fit with? You know, as a great example, I had, you know, a couple of people I was working with, one living in Rancho, one living in, a, in LA, and we partnered them up together. Very different people, but they worked incredibly well together. And they had a system that said, hey, let's do your, let's go doorknock your area one week, the next week you drive to me, we'll doorknock my area. They were now able to separate the follow-ups because it made sense based on the area where they were. And even though there was a little bit of driving involved, that partnership just worked very, very well. Right. You know, and a great relationship was formed through that partnership. You know, leads started to, to come to the table. You know, some, some great conversations were happening just because it created that real serious bond. So I would encourage people to, to ask, to reach out to somebody that's been through many different partners, to, to reach out to coaches, particularly, you know, the big players <coughs> here, you know, and, and see what we think, you know, and don't just take, hey, somebody said, hey, do you want to go door knocking? Hey, sure, let's go. You know, there's got to be a lot more thought that goes into it rather than just somebody asked me, so let's do it. Right. I, for me, I think there's a little bit of a language uh, challenge when, because we talk about partnering up. And when we talk about um, students saying, you know, I'm, I feel stuck in this partnership. At the end of the day, I mean, I, I've had a lot of what I would now Back in the day, I always called them partners, and I felt stuck sometimes. And now what I would consider is I have, I've got door-knocking buddies that I might go door-knocking with, and we have whatever agreement we have for door-knocking. But they're, in my mind now, um, those that, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, quote, partnered with that person. Um, you know, not until I've put together, you know, an actual, you know, very detailed agreement and we've, we've actually decided that we're going to partner up. Uh, and now I only do that once I've determined that that person has skills or, or strengths where I know that I'm weak. And like Frank talked about, at the time, back, we're talking seven years ago, um, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't clear on what my strengths were. I was, in my mind, I was nothing but weaknesses. And... I was willing to partner with anybody who I perceived to have any kind of strength at all. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I was willing to like commit myself into that partnership um, when it wasn't in the best. It wasn't the best thing. And those were the partnerships that I felt like I got stuck in, or I felt I felt stuck in because I am. You know, one of my strengths that I've realized now is that I am my word. So when I commit to somebody or something, I can trap myself just by saying that I'm committed. You know. That goes back to what Oscar saying about try before you buy. Right. You know, like I'm I'm open to anything. I'm open, yeah. but I'm also open to saying, no, nah, that didn't work. Right. You know, <laughs> I have no problem saying that. Yeah, and it, I think it comes with time and experience, right, where you need to be okay that a no is as good as a yes, right, mm -hmm. in anything that we do, right? Mm -hmm. Whether a homeowner says yes or no, whether a partnership says yes or no, or a relationship says yes or no, either way, because a yes says, okay, we move forward now, and a no says, I move forward now, because this isn't working, right? So, Adriana, did you have a question? Yeah, um, Molino said, what would be an example of an agreement with a door-knocking buddy, as Tim described? Um, it, to me, that that agreement would look along the lines of uh, how often are we going to door knock? Are we going to door knock weekly, multiple times a week? Um, what happens, you know, what happens with any leads that come out of that? Um, and are we a door knocking buddy and we go door knocking on Monday, and I'm door knocking with other people on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or? Are we an actual partnership that no matter what happens inside of my business, I'm partnered with this individual, and no matter what happens inside of their business, um, is is you know. Are you married me. or dating? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> or are we married or dating? Right. Yeah. And there has to be some conversation there though as well that you know when you go before you go door knocking, specifically in those partnerships, as to what each expectation is. Right. Who's going to do the follow-ups? Who's going to, as you said, the follow-ups. But also the potential for that financial expectation. You know, what if we do find a deal today? What if this lead ends up turning into a deal somewhere down the line? We go buy the house. There has to be something set out from day one to say, what are your expectations? What is it this person can bring to the table versus next? To say, are we splitting this lead 50-50? Or are you, you know, do you have way less experience than I can bring to the table that now would determine hey, you know what, I'm going to do more, so maybe I determine more. And I think particularly club members, when they go partner up with somebody that maybe they've met here at the club, are they having that conversation that sets that agreement before something lands Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. So inside the club, right, for the club members, we actually have some, we'll call them general agreement, door-knocking agreements, yeah. that, like, for example, as coaches, we have agreements that we go into with anybody that we're coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also an agreement out there that is for the club members to go out and say, hey, you know what, we're, Frank, you and I are going to go door knock, to your point, right? Every Monday at noon, we're going to go hit the streets and we're going to go door knock. And we have a list of the properties that we're going to hit that day. That's an agreement. It's there. It holds for X amount of time. And we get to move forward, right? Versus what you were talking about becomes more the, so that's the dating Right? Mm, right, and then the marriage becomes that it's formalized as a joint venture agreement. It's very clear. I mean, like our our agreement is very clear to the point that we came to an agreement that said, "Hey, if you if somebody comes to you with something that has nothing to do with the team and it's going to require nothing from the team, then you're consulting with them. Cool. Sure. Same for me, right? If I'm consulting with somebody, cool. But it doesn't mean that. But now, if I, if in that consulting process, 
we need to engage our team in it, that changes everything for us. Right? Now that becomes a team function, and it becomes a team experience, and so forth. So it's so there's, but you just have to. I think at the end of it all, you have to really walk in with a clear thought process of what it is that you expect to do. Right? What 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 does success look like in that partnership? And I like what you said, Frank. That it's not about taking, right? It's about giving. What do you bring to the table? What do you right. give, right? And and what I've found is that. I, in my mind, I can say I have these ten characteristics that I bring to the table, but I have these other five that maybe not everybody knows about that I know. Now I'm bringing 15 things to the table, right? And it, they'll show up at certain times. So it's it's always giving more than it's expected. Mm -hmm. um, set the, set the bar and then exceed the bar. It's really the way the, the best way to approach this because then everybody's happy, right? And and it, it works out. So touching on something you said within that was the JV mm -hmm. for those that don't know who haven't been involved in it, you know, a JV, is, as we explained, it's a very simple contract. It's something that sets out everybody's expectations and, you know, a JV within a deal could be very different to a JV within that initial partnership. Right. You know, and, you know, we have, I don't want to say standardized JVs, but we have different JVs that we can tweak the wording on. You know, these are contracts that have been written up and drawn up properly to make sure everybody knows what position they stand in and uh, I often think, you know, because I, I get asked the question quite a lot, so if, if, if you and I go door knocking, when do we do a JV? Well my answer generally is, hey, let's go have some conversations first, let's go, you know, set up some appointments and if we get into a deal, now we're going to have a specific JV for that deal and the next JV that we have for the next deal could be different, sure. could be the same, could be different. But I still have at least an agreement with people that I'm door knocking with, you know, on, hey, before we get out of the car, before we go knock on this first door, you and I need to have an agreement of what our expectations are. You know, if, yeah. if, as a, if, a, if a club <coughs> member comes to me and says, hey, John, you know, I expect if we go door knocking today that I'm going to get 60% and you're going to get 40 it's probably a partnership that's not going to work. You know, <laughs> right. based upon my level of experience that I feel I can bring to the table, you know, does it make sense that, I'd, that we're splitting profits 50-50? Or, you know, does it make sense that it, it tipples the other way? So You get that, Christian? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just letting you know. I think there's one other thing that um, sometimes, like, I know I didn't have this conversation, but there's the conversation about what happens if one partner doesn't live up to what they said they were going to do. Like, mm -hmm. what happens then? That's you the hard know? part. That's the hard part. <laughs> when that conversation's not had up front. Right of like really what happens then, in my experience, the partners that weren't living up to their end of the bargain, they still expected me to pay them their full, what we agreed to up front, even though they weren't doing what they agreed to up front. I, I remember when you shared that with me, my jaw was like, what the? Right. How, how, uh, yeah, I, I get it, man. It's, it, and it is a tough conversation, right? But you know, I think Dave was the first one that I heard say, say this, right? And it was just negotiate like enemies up front, right? And then get that out of the way. Because it really, you have to be really crystal clear on what's expected of you, right? right? And if, if you can't set those expectations clear enough, then that's where the, the problems will surface from. It's just the ambiguity, the gray areas, right? It's, it's yeah. not clear. Let's so. It's, it's our it's our nature to not want to discuss money issues. Mm -hmm. So, right. you know, us having something established and um, 
so that they can work off of, you know, that JV agreement. It's just, you know, we have to talk about all the detailed scenarios what could possibly go wrong um, so that we can have an agreement about that up front because obviously, you know, when you go to close the deal, our memories aren't as good as if you had it in writing. Right. And, you know, yeah, and, and, and obviously you can't capture everything, right? Right. Because then you'd be, it would look like the tax code right? mm -hmm. if you try to capture everything. But it's more about making sure that the big stuff is still addressed right. and taken care of. And then even putting a clause in there that says, hey, when, when there's a question, maybe we need to bring in an uninterested third party into this to make sure that we have another set of eyes on it, right, to make sure that we're not missing something, just to, to clear the air. Right? And it's just good, right? It's, it is what it is. So, right. You know, one of the one of the the kind of slogans I carry around in my head now when I'm when I'm thinking about partners, thinking about people that I want to work with, people that I want to go door knocking with, I still go back to saying the same thing in my own head, which is, if I partner with this person and we go close a deal, we go make some money together, <laughs> do I want to go out to dinner with that person afterwards? Yeah. And if I for whatever reason, if I don't want to go to dinner with that person, go enjoy a sociable event and go celebrate, then probably I shouldn't be doing a deal with them in the first place. Which reminds me we need to go to dinner, so you know, I'm remembering that. But uh, well, I don't eat meat anymore, so it's a cheap date. It's a cheap date, but you know, that, that for me is something to live by. I don't want to partner with somebody that I don't enjoy working with. So, hey, let's go to dinner, let's go celebrate, we find a deal. Otherwise, let's probably you know, find a different partner. Probably the polite way to say it. <laughs> Agreed. Do you have any questions? Um, yeah, Gregory said, what would you suggest is better, door knocking or bandit signs? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. <laughs> I personally, I love, I love door knocking. Well, it's a love-hate door knocking yeah. for me. I, I, I believe it's the best way for me to find good leads. I... I believe in having real, authentic conversations face-to-face -face with the homeowner versus somebody calling one of my signs and now trying to explain who I am and really they don't see that authentic person that I can be when having that face-to-face -face conversation. At the same time, that doesn't mean to say I don't do bandit signs as well, it's just another avenue. So, I agree, but a quick disclaimer, we are never at the club yeah. going to teach you where you should put your bandit signs, that you should use bandit signs. Let me be really clear with you guys out there, okay? There's laws that prohibit you from using bandit signs. You need to be clear on what that city law is so that you don't get in trouble. Yeah. It's not about what we do or how we do it or any of that. It's about, to, so the, to answer the question, either or is fine, right? If you're door knocking, great. If you're putting up signs, great. But... You need to be cautious, you need to be careful, and you need to understand the laws for every city are different. We know, trust us, there's fines. It could be 100 bucks a sign, or it 600. could be 600 bucks a sign. Yeah. It depends on the city. <laughs> right. So, no, no, play at your own risk is what I'm saying, right? So, yeah. New Wealth Advisors Club, our businesses, our entities and all that will never advise you to put up signs. If you choose to do that, great. Just be aware of what you need to do. You know, the people that we work with in the past that have put up signs, they would put them up Friday and pick them up Sunday, yeah. right? So they, they're out over the weekend and then they're down again. That's probably one of the safest bets. But again, you need to check the local laws to make sure that you're playing by the law. Yeah. And legal off. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I can address that, convert, that question a little bit. Um, I think anything that 
first of all, any any lead source. I mean, I love door knocking. Door knocking is absolutely, um, in my mind, the best way to go connect with a homeowner. Um, but any kind of lead source, mailers, anything that has somebody calling you is also good. However, if you don't know how to have a conversation with a homeowner, mm-hmm. then you're just throwing money away. Mm-hmm. You know, you can throw out a million bandit signs and have a million homeowners calling you, but if you don't know how to present an offer or have a good conversation with a homeowner, then you're never going to um, make any money on this uh, in, in this business. So. Um, I think door knocking is a great way to go out there for free, talk to homeowners, get good at the conversation, um, get confident with your abilities and, and what you know you can accomplish inside of this business, and then, uh, and only then, go spend money to have homeowners call you so that you're, you're not just burning cash. Yeah, that's that's 100% how I started. Door knocking, it, I mean, obviously you have to get those leads, that costs a little bit of money, but it, Nowhere near what it costs to uh, pay for other <coughs> yeah. Just like I hated door knocking. I just totally hated it. I was not good at it. And it was because I was, you know, my own experience uh, with people coming to my door, um, you know, I'm not approachable. <laughs> so, right? Somebody coming to my door is like, oh boy, you're in trouble. But, you know, moving forward, I was like, well, I'm going to get good at this. And uh, that was like 2009, right? And I did. I would say it took me about four or five years to get done. Uh, it was about a year process to where I was totally comfortable with the process of door knocking. And then I just expanded and I started experimenting with, there's so many lead sources. And I find personally for each individual person, that question is very personal to them. And again, their strengths or weaknesses, which is what brings us back to partnerships. Right. If you find that you're not good at door knocking, but you're very organizational, good at marketing, maybe your partner is somebody who's great at door knocking, you know, to complement each other. So you have a bigger net and more opportunity to close deals with somebody, and you can bring the same value to them. Yeah, absolutely. Great way to bring that question back to the topic right at hand, which is partnerships. So cool. Any, any last? Uh... No. No, I'm good. I'm good. With that, I think we're, it's a wrap, guys. Awesome. Take care. Have a great week.